Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good morning. It's awesome to see these little guys and girls run, run. Get away from that scary man that's up there. We're going to have fun. I love it. I love it. I love seeing these kids growing up. Um, it's awesome. A couple things. Um, first, let me look at my notes here. First, I'd love to go over the memory verses with you. All right. Um, and if you are behind or you haven't started, let me encourage you dig in. You can do it. All right, three verses a, a month, and, uh, and, and you can do it. It just takes time. It takes commitment. Um, with the app that I was doing this morning, uh, two of the verses, I got 100% right, um, because in the app, you just put the first initial, so I say it out loud uh, as I'm typing the initial. Well, the third verse, I missed three, so it's okay. You can mess up, and it's all right. We're getting God's word in our heart. But I'd love to say it, if you would, with me uh, here together. They're up here. Because why? Because we want to think biblically. In order to live right, we need to think biblically. That's where the truth comes from, and we're going to look at that in, in a little bit. So the first verse that I have up here, 2 Timothy 3.16, because we're talking about bibliology. We're going to go through the, the ten doctrines. The first one is bibliology. Um, the study of the Word of God, the Bible. And so we want to say this together. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Very good. Next verse. Psalm 119, verse 11. Now, this one's hard for me because I learned it in Sparks in the King James Version back when I was about seven years old. So um, this one I got 100% this morning, but it's hard for me to say it out loud because I always want to say it the old way that I know it. But let's say it together. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 11. And our third one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Very good. So we give thanks in all circumstances, right? Everything. That's what the word tells us. And so that's what we want to live by. And that's our verse to live by in the month of January. Today is the last day of January of 2021. And so, really, the way I look at it is we have two months of winter left, right? So, you got February, March, sometimes good, sometimes not so. Just depends uh, on the weather, um, whether or not one day it can be 40, 50 degrees, the next day it could be snowy and 15. Um, but for those of you who don't like winter, um, you only have two more months, and, and then you got a lot of months until November, okay? So, we're almost there. Um, I, before we dig into the word, I want to just uh, say thank you. Uh, some of you might not know this, but I have had the wonderful privilege 
um, the last two seasons to be able to coach at Firestone High School. I'm the head boys cross-country coach. Uh, this past season, I had 14 boys. And uh, in, in this room where you sit, this last Monday, we celebrated 34 runners uh, and, and had an awards time, and we were able to do it here, uh, spaced out. We moved all the chairs around, and uh, we were able to uh, live stream it through the technology that we have here so that all the parents and families could see, and uh, it was just a great night. And I just want to thank you uh, for allowing your pastor to be able to serve in that way. We all have different gifts and different abilities. Uh, one of mine is I, I love to coach. Uh, I, I, love, I don't love to run anymore. I run uh, because I love being with the boys and the girls. Uh, my girls uh, are two of the girls that are on the team. And to be able to spend that time, I have greatly cherished. And so to see these little ones running around uh, is awesome. Uh, it's also a reminder to me of how quickly time goes and how time flies. And I know a lot of you uh, know what I'm talking about. You know, yesterday I drove my oldest, Lene, and her friend Lexi to the airport at 5 o'clock in the morning. And they flew by themselves down to Florida and they had a layover in Nashville. And it's like what I realized as I was driving home was I was letting that rope out a little bit farther. I was letting that, letting her go. And I have to, I have to be honest. I'm like, I don't like that. But there's a big part of me that likes it in the sense where when she texts me and says, Dad, we made it on our first flight. We're good. When they arrived at Florida and then at Lexi's grandmother's, they're like, we're having a blast. And she FaceTimed from the beach and rubbed it in as we're in cold in the snow. It was like one of those moments as a dad, like you're so split because it's like I'm so proud of my girl that she can start to navigate life a little bit. This is a girl who has to turn on her GPS before she'll go to the store because she doesn't want to get lost. And it's like, Lene, you know where it is. And, but she's got that. And, and yet she went to Florida. So it's like here you get to let her grow up a little bit more. And yet you wrestle with that, like, that's my little girl. Like, that's my little girl. And I've talked about this a lot through the years, and that's why I continue to keep focusing on it every January in stewardship. Because the reality is, and the reason why I share that about Lene is because she's not mine. She's really not mine. She's God's. God has entrusted her to me for a period of time. And yet, I cannot hold on to her too tight because that's not my job. My job is to be the best steward and the best dad, the best husband that I possibly can. And so I share that as an encouragement to you as we keep navigating and walking through life. Uh, there's some great moments and yeah, there's some real challenging moments, and that's okay, and, and, and that's where we get to do it together. And that's why this is so important, why church isn't just about watching a service online. It's not just about coming to church 
um, you are the church. It's about us as the church coming and gathering and worshiping God together and living our lives together, encouraging one another to build one another up and, and not to make ourselves look like one another because we're each unique. We're each different. And how you parent will probably be different than how I parent. And that's okay. Uh, but yet together to know that if we're living by the word of God, we can help each other and encourage each other and pray for one another. So it's my joy to be able to bring this morning a sermon that I've been praying and, and, and hoping um, that it doesn't come off in the wrong way. I want to say it this way. This is not a sermon that is to be lived like the law. All right, this isn't a fire, hell, and brimstone. At least it's not supposed to be one of those sermons. It may feel like that at some point. All right, some of you are going to be like, finally, our pastor's preaching. Because maybe you feel like sometimes it's just too fluffy. Well, I want to present the whole counsel of God. And this morning, we're going to look at the book of Malachi. So if you have your Bible, if you would open to the last book of the Old Testament, um, we're actually going to read through this book, the book of Malachi, and what we want to do this morning is we want to look at this aspect of stewardship, giving God my best. And when we give God our best, uh, last week we looked at giving God uh, our best of where he's placed us. And we looked in 1 Kings uh, 18, and we looked at Obadiah and Elijah. My daughter, Lene, as she was running the slides last week, let me know that I spelled, misspelled Obadiah. I'm really sorry about that. I don't know. I just, I have a problem. My problem is spelling and language, all right? It's so unique that God has put me in this position. So I apologize for the misspelling of that on the slides last week. Um, but we did look at that when we looked at where God has placed us, knowing that God has give, given each of us different gifts and different abilities. And so that was uh, giving God our best with where he places us. Uh, this morning, what I want to do is look at giving God our best, my best with what God has entrusted to me. And so just like I was talking about Lene and how God has entrusted me with her, along with Marissa and Zachary and my beautiful bride, Lisa, God has entrusted them to me. I don't own them. I can't just hold them really tight. He has entrusted them to me to steward and to give my best. And so we want to read through Malachi. And you may be thinking, Malachi, how do you do this from an Old Testament prophet? Well, my fear of reading an Old Testament prophet is... Um, that we will do two things. Number one, we'll look at it as the law. And, and looking at the law, we've got to keep these rules in order to um, try to somehow achieve the love of God. Listen, we can't, we can't get the love of God anymore. God loves us the same today as at the moment that we were conceived. He loves us, and it do, it isn't, it, that doesn't change in spite of what we do. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful for that. And so when we look at the text, the other part is when you look at the prophet, the Old Testament prophets were guys who were con coming uh, and, and, and bringing the truth and confronting the nation of Israel, God's people, with their sin. None of us like being told what we're doing wrong. Do you like that? You like being told what you're doing wrong? None of us like that. 
And yet, that's what the God of the universe does when he uses his word and his spirit. When we read it, it should convict us. When we come in the presence of God, the spirit of God that indwells inside of you and me, we should be willing to listen and to be convicted of our sin. Because chances are, if I asked you to raise your hand to see if you still believe that you are still a sinner and that you make mistakes, probably all of you should raise your hand. All of you hopefully would raise your hand because we're still all sinners and we're saved by God's grace. But in our pursuit of becoming more like Jesus, our Savior, we stumble and we fall and we make mistakes. The sermon this morning is to encourage you that you will use the things that God has entrusted to you that you will look more like Jesus because of this time in his word. It's not to, to say that I'm better. It's not to say that you're awful and that you should walk out of here feeling no worth whatsoever. No, the scriptures tell us that we are, are worth so much. And that's why God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. That's how much worth God sees in us that he would send his own son to take our punishment and our pain. Some of you are now like, okay, let's get in the word. Well, here's a little phrase. I believe that this passage or this book in Malachi, what we want to do from it is we want to learn from the Old Testament text. All right. We want to glean the truth that still applies and that applies to you and to me, and it applies to the church. It doesn't apply in the same way, all right? As Malachi is writing it to the nation of Israel, we are not the nation of Israel. But we can glean some of the truths and some of the wisdom that we'll see here and look and see how they need to be applied to us as we live out as the church today. So I'd like to read this, if you would, with me, follow along. It'll be on the screen with you, too. Um, but you, hopefully you have your text in front of you, and you will read with me. Malachi 1, 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Have I, not, have I loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated? I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may build, but I will tear down and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. But you say, how have you despised your? How have we despised your name? By polluting, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is not. Is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. 
Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire in my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, saying the Lord of hosts, says the Lord of hosts, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept it, that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared amongst the nations. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offering, and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprighteousness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Have we... Not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, an abomination has been committed in Israel and all Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuaries of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. 
So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let no one of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and do not be faithless. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He will sit at a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the day of old and as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soils. And your vines in the fields shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, said the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who fear the Lord spoke with one another The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteousness and the wickedness. Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall be set, shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. 
But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down on the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statues and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to spend time reading a larger section of it. Lord, we see through history, Lord, that's what the church has done. And you have laid out that, the importance of reading your word together. Thank you for that opportunity here. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to look at it and dig into it. And and we ask, Lord, that you would reveal your truth to us. May your word come alive in our minds and our hearts. May your spirit take it and speak to us. Lord, we are not perfect people. We are unholy. Left to ourselves, we are worthless. But Lord, with you, you see us as fully righteous because of the blood of Jesus. You have us here desiring to use us as your ambassadors. With all of our faults and with all of our failures, we come now asking you to reveal them. And may you help us to give those failures to you, to seek your forgiveness, to repent and to turn from them so that the world may know that there is a true and living God and he lives inside of us. So use this time. May we glean the truths of this text and then live them out in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What we see here is as Malachi reads or writes this, he gives several disputes. If you didn't catch it, he, there's several times where there is a question. Like, uh, like the Lord speaks and then there's a question of, of what do you mean, Lord? And so there's a series of disputes here given to the people of Israel, to the Lord. Like, for example, I have loved you, says the Lord. And then they ask the question, well, how have you loved us? And they're disputing what God's truth and what God has said. And so what I'd like to do is to walk through their their six main ones, and I'd like to walk through those because I think this morning it helps us. And, And as God's stewards of what he's entrusted to us, I think it helps it will help us to, to check and to see about how, how we are doing about giving our best, with giving God the best with what he has entrusted to us. Being a steward isn't just about money. It's not just about time. It's not just about your gifts. It's about a lot of things in our life. And so I, I love this text because I think it applies to us when we look at how are we doing with what God has entrusted to us? 
we see here Malachi the prophet is telling the Israel, you're not doing very well. And in fact, the Lord has removed his blessing from you. And they don't get it. My prayer has been this week that we would get it. That we would wake up and that we would be humble enough to accept what these truths tell us. So let's look at the first truth. The first truth is this. Uh, we see this in, in verses 1 through 14. And I sum it up in, in, a, in a simple um, two words. It says sacrifice or dedication. All right, sacrifice and, or dedication. And what we see here is the nation of Israel has lessened that. Okay, um, they've lessened the sacrifice. Well, an example of that is what? Um, Malachi writes to them that they're supposed to be bringing their offerings, right? Their sacrifices. And when they're bringing their animal sacrifices, what kind of sacrifices are they bringing? They're not sacrificing their best, which means are they really sacrificing? No, um, they're not really dedicated to what God has laid out as the animal sacrifice. So they've lessened that. They've cheapened it. And so what they've done is they've brought the, their lame. They got a lame uh, sheep. They're like, oh, well, I'll bring that one. Or they got a blind sheep, which would be curious to see how a blind sheep maneuver. You know, they run into things. And, you know, I, I had a, a, my, my good friend growing up, his, his poor dog, as the dog got older, um, it lost its sight, and poor Bernie, we felt bad for Bernie because he would run into everything, and it, you just felt bad for him. And yet, this, this God asked the nation of Israel when they were bringing their, their sacrifice and their offering to bring their first fruit, to bring their best, and yet that's not what they're doing. They're saying, oh, well, this one's lame, or this one's sick. He's going to die anyway, or this one's blind. He, he doesn't know where he's going, so I'll go take that to the temple, and I'll sacrifice that to the Lord. What does that look like in our lives? Well, here's a question for you. What level of importance is your time with the Lord? What level of importance is your time with the Lord? See, we don't offer sacrifices anymore. Because there's been one perfect sacrifice made. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Because of that, we don't have to offer sacrifices. But what God desires from us is that we will come daily to him. That our lives, every day, we would be reliant and dependent upon him. You know, anything great requires a plan and requires commitment. I'll say that again because I want you to think about that. Anything great that you want to achieve or you want to have requires a plan and it requires commitment. The truth is we will find a way to do the things that matter most to us. I will find a way to eat. Why? Because I love to eat. I'll find a way to get to Sam's or get to Aldi, get my snacks. Why? Because eating is important to me. I'm not saying eating shouldn't be. I'm just saying it's important to me, so I'm going to find a way. Thankfully for my wife, clean clothes are important to her. For all of our family, that is critical. Why? Because I smell good today instead of smelling really bad. That's important. Important to me. 
probably a little bit more important to mama, all right, that we walk around with clean clothes. Exercise. Is it important to you? Well, if it's important to you, you will make time in your schedule to do it. I told you a little bit earlier, um, I don't like to run as much as what I used to, especially when I get out of shape, when I allow too long of a time to go, then coming back is really, really difficult. And so to run three or four miles when I'm in shape is nothing. It takes less time, less effort. My body doesn't hurt as bad. But when I go out and I run three or four miles when I haven't been running, it requires more. It hurts. I hurt for days. All right? I, it takes longer. So instead of 20-some minutes, now I'm out there 30 to 40 minutes. I could be doing other things. Like eating? I think you get my point. We will find a way to do the things that are most important to us. I think, unfortunately, many of us, um, we have lessened the sacrifice and the dedication that it requires to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so that's the first example that we see here for us as we seek um, to give God our best with what he's entrusted to us. God has given you, he has entrusted to you a relationship with him. What are you doing to make that a priority? Are you giving him your your lame, your blind? Uh, Just give him my leftover. If I have a little bit of time, then I'll do it. Anything great requires a plan and commitment. And so if you want to grow in your walk with Jesus, if you want to get at the end of your life and say, I'd like to be a spiritual giant who loves the Lord, who's grown and learned things, it's going to take a plan and it's going to take commitment. It's really hard to memorize the word of God for me. As you can tell, language, spelling does not come easy. And so every morning... I spend time doing that now. Why? Because I love it? No, because I know if I don't do it and I don't plan for it, it's never going to happen. The best time for me is not at night. It's in the morning. You have to find what's best for you. But what level of importance is your time with the Lord? That's where we start. That's the focus. The second truth is this, or a second example that we have is truth. And we see this in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 9 talks about um, the, the priests, the Levites, the tribe of Levi, and their issues. And one of the issues that they have is they're no longer preaching and teaching the truth. They have been compromised in what they do. And ultimately, the end of the, that section of verse 9, it says that, that, uh, that you do not keep my ways but you show partiality in your instruction. And so ultimately what we see here is truth has been rejected. It's been changed or tried to be conformed into something it isn't. And so here's my question to you about truth in your life. Are you accepting or rejecting the ways of God's word? Are you accepting it or are you rejecting what God's word has to tell you? Now, you can do this passively or you can do this aggressively to reject something. 
Um, for the example, any of you who've been in the dating realm, you know what this looks like. I experienced that, both uh, the passiveness and the aggressiveness. There are some girls that I asked for a date, and they very much made it clear that they did not want to date. And they said, no, thank you. And not those kind words, but it's not you, it's me. They let me know. There's others that were a little bit more passive. They would never give you an answer. Hey, you want to go out and get something to eat? Or you want to come to youth group and we'll study the Bible? Thank you for laughing. But they would never give you an answer. They'd be like, well, you know, we can do that in our lives when it comes to the truth. When it comes to the word of God. And the truth is, we need to be around those who teach, who know, and to live out the truth. We can't be passively or aggressively rejecting whatever we want. Truth is truth. Truth doesn't get redefined. We're going to speak in this in a little bit different way in a moment. Number three is this, is marriage. We see the example of marriage. Malachi talks about this in chapter 2, verses 17 through 3, uh, verse 5. Or actually, chapter 2, verse 10 through 16, marriage. And what we see in marriage is it's split. There's a split. And so we see this, that that in verse 15, uh, or verse 14, but you say, why does he not? Why does he not listen to all your groanings and weeping and all that? Well, because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. What we see here is marriage is a true aspect of being a steward of God. And this example was they, the, the nation of Israel, were walking away from their marriages. They were divorcing their wives and seeking somebody better or younger, so they thought. And so here's the question for us today. How does your marriage reflect and teach your children about your God? See, you worship something. You worship something every single day. It may be the true and living God or it may be some false idol. The truth is your marriage reflects who you worship, who is most important. God ordained that. He set it up. That's why marriage is so unique in any, compared to any other relationship. Malachi writes here how God speaks that our marriage reflects our walk with God our faith, our trust in him, our commitment to him. Malachi also says, what's one of the goals of marriage? To produce godly offspring. So is one of your goals in your marriage to produce godly offspring? If it isn't, you're probably missing the mark. And you need to. Now, some may not be married. If you're not married and you're looking to ever get married, make sure that this is part of your core of what marriage should and needs to look like. You need a spouse that will help you 
seek and run to God and your purpose of living. And as you follow God and you reflect God through your marriage, you're helping your children to be more godly. For those of you who don't have children, you have an opportunity to still reflect the love of God through your marriage as other people witness and see how you live your life. And so you don't get off easy. This isn't something where we can pick and choose. Marriage is critical. And unfortunately, as we see in the church in the last 50 years, we have been woefully inadequate. And so I charge us, I charge you today, West Hill, those who are listening online, does your marriage reflect the true and living God? How does your marriage reflect and teach your children and the children around you about your God? The most intimate relationship that God has given us, we can either cherish or we can destroy. That's built upon what we've already talked about. A good marriage doesn't come without you spending time with the Lord. A good marriage doesn't come unless it's based upon the truth. The fourth example that we see here is good. Good is seen in chapter 2, verse 17 through 3, verse 5. And what good has been there has been compromised. Good has been compromised. We see this in our world today. And before we're too quickly to point it out on everybody else, because we're good at doing that, I can see the speck in your eye, but I miss the plank in my own. We see good being compromised. We see good being lowered and evil being called good. But as I just said, before we puff ourselves up too much, let me ask you this question. What sin are you okay with? When I wrote this, I began to weep. Because the truth is, I get too comfortable with my sin. I lessen it. I cheapen it. And I excuse it. What sin are you okay with? What evil are you calling okay? We cannot compromise the truth. The word of God tells us what the truth is, what is sin, and what is not. There are black and white issues, but there are also gray issues. Gray issues we will have for the rest of our lives, and we have to wrestle through those. I'm talking about the black and white issues, the things that are extremely clear. We need to be bold, and yet we need humility. We need to live out the truth and what is good, but we need the humble heart, realizing that we have not yet arrived. The fifth example is this, riches. Riches, and we see this in chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. Um, 
verse 7, it says, uh, the Lord of hosts uh, says, return to me. And they say, how shall we return to you? Um, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. God says, you're robbing me. And they're saying, how have we robbed you? Um, Because why? They have not brought their tithe and contributions to him. Here's the question for us today and how this applies that I want to throw out to us. The example is riches and withholding or those that were withheld. Here's the question. Why are you withholding from giving more? Why are you withholding from giving more? There will always be reasons, some worthy and some not, of why we don't give more. The truth is, all of us have more we could give. More riches, more money. You say, Pastor, you, don't, you, don't, you haven't seen my, my bills. You don't understand where I'm at. Look at the word of God, where your treasure is there where your, is where your heart is the widow's might is an example of someone who gave all as you walk with the lord and you base and keep working on these levels seeking the truth living out good in your marriage seeking god and saying lord what would you have us to give Ask yourself, every once in a while, why am I withholding from giving more? Remember the sacrifice that we saw earlier in this book? They were cheapening. They were lessening. They weren't giving their best. Remember what Jesus has to say about our riches as well. The riches here on earth will be destroyed. They'll burn, moth, rust. They'll be destroyed. So why do we so much hold on to them? Because we think that they'll provide something that we're missing? The truth is, they won't provide that. The God of the universe can only supply what you're looking for in your things. Jesus tells us to store up our riches in heaven. Our last example is this, time and energy. And it's wasted. Malachi calls them on the carpet, and he tells them in chapter 3, verse 13 um, through 18, Verse 13, he says, The words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, How have we spoken against you? And he replies this, You have said, It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in the morning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed evildoers not only prosper, but they call God to the test and they escape. What he's saying is their time and their energy, what they're saying is it doesn't matter if you serve God. Look at the wicked. 
They're getting off. They're getting blessed, it seems. So, I ask us this question. What value do you place in serving the Lord? What value do you place in serving the Lord? Is it somebody else's job? Is it only available to those who are, quote, called to serve God? What does service look like to you? Our time and our energy. Is it a waste to come on Sundays to serve in different capacities? Is it a waste because we see the evil happening and here we are spending our time here? It's wasted when we should be out gaining more profit and more stuff for ourselves? Is it wasteful to spend a day serving and cleaning the house of the Lord? Is it a waste to go visit somebody and to cherish them and to encourage them? Most of you would say, no, it's not. But let me encourage us. Our lives are like a vapor, James says. One minute it is here and the next it is gone. What are you spending your time and energy on? And when you spend it for the Lord, don't you or anybody else allow you to think that it is a waste? As we've looked at these six examples, there's a few things that I want to call us to. The first is to admission. We need to admit that we fail at these. We need to seek the forgiveness of our shortcomings, of our sin, of our failures. Let me be honest. If there wasn't one thing that you saw that where you're failing or where you sure fall short on, then maybe you need to dig in and read through Malachi again. Maybe you need to read to another section of the word of God because not one of us are perfect. I'm not here to lower you a peg on the pole. I'm just saying that as children of God, one of the most important and critical things as we walk with him is admitting that we are still sinners and that we need the same kind of forgiveness that brought us to the cross when we first believed in Jesus. We need that same forgiveness today. We also need to repent. We need to repent from our selfishness and from our self-seeking mindset. Even though I spend time with God, I'm still very selfish. It's one of the most frustrating things for me. And maybe it will be for the rest of my life. I have a sinful nature. And while the blood of Jesus has set me free from that, from the bondage of sin, my punishment has been paid, I still wage war with myself. Be quick to repent, to turn from your selfishness and your self-seeking mindset. The last is this. We have a personal responsibility. You and I have a responsibility to give our best to God. Yes, God is sovereign and God chooses what he will do. 
I believe that the sovereignty of God lines up with our personal, personal choices. God gives us choice while at the same time being totally sovereign. God allows you in your life to have choice. You can choose to give God your best as his steward with the things that he has entrusted to you. Or you can just let it happen. Let me encourage you, come up with a plan. Let me encourage you to ask God to give you a discerning heart. That some of these things that we would take hold of, and it would allow us not just to be better people. This is not about being better Christians. This is about allowing the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to come and to work inside of us so that we not only become more like our Savior Jesus, but so that a lost and dying world may see that God is real. When Malachi finishes this all up, he tells them, the evil and the bad don't win. And in fact, you're going to go out and the righteous, you're going to walk on the ashes of those who are evil and everything that was worthless. We win. When Micah wrote this, 400 years passes of silence before Jesus shows up. Actually, John the Baptist, who this Elijah that Malachi talks about, that's who he's speaking about. John the Baptist, preparing the way of the Lord. 400 years of silence, though. And did they hear and live the truth? When John the Baptist comes on the scene, how are they doing? Truth is, they didn't heed the warnings. There is a small remnant, as we see all throughout the word of God, a small remnant who do love God and follow his ways, who say we want to be that light. I hope that's us. I hope that's you. That you will be a part of the small remnant that God has chosen to display his glory. To give him praise and thanks for everything that we have. To give him our best, no matter where he places us. And to give him our best with everything that he has entrusted to us. Will you pray with me? Lord, help us. Help us to be true to your word. Help us to be true to your spirit that guides us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that we can know what truth is. Thank you that in this time that you give us here to walk on the face of this earth, you don't call us to be perfect people, but you call us to be holy. Because you are holy. Because you want people to see you through us. 
So help us as your stewards, Lord. In the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead, as we walk through 2021, that what Malachi wrote about the nation of Israel would not be able to be said about the people at West Hill. Even with our faults and our shortcomings, Lord, please help us to pursue you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, with all of our strength. We owe you our life. Because Jesus did pay it all. And all to him we owe. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.